Good morning, Elevation. Our scripture reading today is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he, he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Well, today we begin our third week of Advent. And as Helen mentioned a couple weeks ago, we are using this book as a guide this year as we journey together as a community. It's called Shadow and Light, A Journey into Advent by Tish Oxenreader. And Helen, two weeks ago, uh, walked us through the theme of expectation. And last week, Ron um, talked to us about this idea of preparation. And today, our theme is anticipation. Now, over the last few weeks, after I knew that I would be sharing a little bit around this theme of anticipation, it was one of those words that I just felt like it was coming up everywhere. Kind of like when you get a new vehicle and then you see it everywhere. Uh, well, words are maybe kind of the same way. So once anticipation was in my mind and my heart, I started to see it everywhere. And one of those places was um, on Facebook memories, of course. So my mom had posted this uh, collection of photos about uh, five and a half, five, five, six years ago. Um, I was pregnant with Nora and Jeremy and I had taken a trip down to the States and my parents had stayed, we were living in Ottawa at the time, my parents had stayed with the other three kids while we were away. And she posted some pictures of the kids waiting for us at the airport to arrive back home. And the word that she used to describe the look on Eli's face in particular was anticipation. This idea of anticipating the arrival of mom and dad who he hadn't seen for, I don't know, four days or whatever it was. And he was so excited. And that got me thinking about uh, airport reunions, actually. And so um, I spent way too much time going into the vortex of YouTube and watching airport reunion videos. So if you're looking for a cry fest, that's where you want to go. Uh, it's, there's something so powerful about human connection and, and reunion and the anticipation that leads up to that reunion. We, uh, Jeremy and I used to host international students before we had kids, and um, I would spend hours at the Toronto airport uh, waiting for the students to arrive or going and bringing them to the airport. And I used to just sit there and watch people, and it was just fascinating to watch um, that beautiful interaction, that human connection that happens when there could be a room full of strangers and then all of a sudden through the lineup they see their person and the uh, just the light that comes over faces um, 
the embrace, the reunion, and also the anticipation. Sometimes you would see people um, expressing that in like nervous walking around or checking their watch. And sometimes you'd see people already in tears of just anticipating the arrival of their loved ones. There was another great reunion in our community this last week. Uh, as some of you know, Marsha Connolly had her kidney transplant a couple weeks ago in Hamilton and was away from her family for about a week. And Rowan, who is four, was at home waiting for mom to arrive. And Marsha describes the reunion like this. Today, when we pulled into the driveway, I was greeted with the sweetest and warmest welcome home by Rowan. He opened the door even before I was able to get out of the car and started jumping up and down in excitement. As soon as I came in, he showed me the welcome home mama sign he had made today with our friend Sarah. He made sure to let me know that he did all the finishing touches on the letters and that I had to read the sign in his way from left to right and then curve back left. Next, he started to run up the stairs and said, follow me, mom. After going a few steps, he slowed down completely and said, I can go your speed, mom. And we went up the stairs side by side. He showed me all of the crafts that he had made me and put on my bedside table. It was very clear how happy he was that I was home. I love that picture of, or just even imagining Rowan standing at the door, anticipating the arrival of mom coming home and all of the preparation that he had done in anticipation of her arrival. It's a beautiful picture of what anticipation looks like for many of us. When we think of anticipation, uh, and when we ask ourselves, what was the moment that I experienced the greatest anticipation in my life? Many of us think about human relationships. Many of us think about the time where we finally got to be reunited with that loved one, or maybe when we met our nephew or niece for the first time. When I think about the moments of greatest anticipation in my life, certainly meeting our children would be some of the most memorable and significant. These moments where anticipation had grown and the moment was so close. I remember when Jeremy and I got the call that it was time we could go to Ethiopia and finally meet Emmabit and Tariqua. That van ride to the transition home, um, I remember everything about it. I remember the smells. I remember having to wait for the driver to arrive. I remember arriving at the home and sitting in a room waiting for the girls to come in. I remember the floral print on the couches and the smells and the moment that Emma Beat walked into the room. I remember what she was wearing, the clothes, and then the moment that the caregiver brought wee little Tariqua into the room as well. And then, several years later, I remember the moment when the midwives told me that we were going to meet our son that day. The anticipation and some fear and trembling and a lot of hard work that eventually led to them placing him and four years later, Nora, on my chest. Scott Erickson says, to finally see what you have hoped for for so long is a breaking experience. It's a healing breaking. The biblical narrative speaks of a people who were longing for the Messiah to come. They were waiting in expectation, in preparation, in anticipation. And two of those people that are described are Simeon and Anna. I'm going to read part of their story in Luke chapter 2. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting, eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. 
The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. And later it describes Anna. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. Simeon and Anna had dedicated their lives, literally their entire lives, to waiting for the Messiah. And they believed. They believed with anticipation and with hope that Christ was coming, that the Messiah, that the rescuer would come. And imagine the joy, imagine the fulfillment when they were able to lay their eyes on this Christ. It says that Anna talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectedly to be the bearer of that incredible news, to say Christ is here, our Messiah has come. Scott Erickson writes about Jesus' birth. It's when the hope of restoration had moved from words to presence. Simeon and Anna understood that. They understood the significance of what was happening, that Christ, this promise of hope, this promise of rescue, was no longer just words. It was presence. Christ was present. And then, several years later, we hear of John the Baptist, which is the narrative that Helen read for us earlier out of Mark. And John says, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. John understood this was imminent. Christ was here. He is coming now. He's coming so soon to baptize us, not just in water, but with the Spirit and to rescue us. John the Baptist also understood that the incarnation of Christ, the coming of the Messiah, meant that this hope had moved from words to presence. Perhaps another way of saying that would be that we are no longer asking when, but we're asking where. Where is Christ? Where is God with us in our present lives? In this book, Tish says, Remember the fullness of God's love for us, for the world's beauty is a gift for us to steward and be captivated by. And as I've been um, mulling over this idea of, of trying to intentionally walk through this Advent season um, with this posture of anticipation of where I will see Christ, where I will see God with us, uh, I was driving the other day and um, the sun was just starting to set. And um, obviously, I could not pull over to take a picture. 
but I did uh, find one online that looked similar. So the sun was just about to set and uh, it was behind some clouds and it was getting lower and lower and just starting to peek out from behind these clouds. And it just spoke to me as like, this is anticipation. I knew any second that sun was gonna be in full view and it was gonna be my eyes driving as well. Um, but I knew it was coming and I could see it coming and the anticipation was there, but it did not create the sun. It, the anticipation was me to see the sun. And that is this idea of us becoming aware of where do we see Christ? Where do we see God? In the book, Tish describes when Christmas Eve with uh, Mother Teresa, she says that they had gathered together in the convent for a si simple but festive dinner together and there was a knock on the door. One of the nuns went to the door and answered and came back with a basket that had a, a blanket over it. And she gave it to Mother Teresa. And as Mother Teresa opened the blanket, she saw a baby boy. And she said, look, now we can say that our Christmas is complete. Baby Jesus has come to us. Now, perhaps this Advent and leading up to Christmas, we will not have an experience that mirrors so closely to the biblical narrative of that first Christmas. But we are still being invited to anticipate the presence of Christ, of God with us in the here and now. And that doesn't mean that we don't still long, that we don't still sometimes ask the question, when? When, oh God, will you save us from this? But it does mean that the answer is that God's presence is with us through that. Scott Erickson in a book called Honest Advent writes, at least that's the invitation in our lives today, to witness that same arrival of God with us in all the ex expected and unexpected realities of our human lives. An honest advent that leads to an honest hope, which perhaps saves us from two unholy polarities. The empty positivity and blind optimism that mas masquerade as hope, yet are never honest about the realities of pain and death or the surrender to despair and hopelessness. Honest hope is birthed in the realness in between the messy headlines of today's news. It invites us to consider every situation, no matter how despairing, as something we don't have to walk through alone, but as the very birthplace for divine participation. Dr. Sylvia Kiesmat is a scholar, activist, and farmer. And she wrote a beautiful piece for uh, the New Leaf Network, has put out an Advent reader every year. And this year, this piece was in there and it just spoke to me so profoundly. Uh, and I don't think there's any way I could say it any better. So I'm going to read a portion of, of her piece as we close today. For what do you most deeply long? For the people to whom Isaiah spoke, the people who were in exile, their longing was clear, a safe way through the wilderness and a path home again. They longed to be gathered and held by their God, clasped close to God's heart, gently led to places of goodness and joy. In this time of Advent waiting, we too find ourselves in places of deep longing. We long to gather once again with family and friends, with our church communities, without fear of sickness or death, 
We long for safety and stability for those who have lost homes, farms, animals, and livelihoods to the fires, floods, and mudslides in BC. We long for a world where insects and birds are flourishing, where temperatures remain stable, and we know that our children's grandchildren will live with abundance and hope. We long for a world where those sleeping in shelters or on the streets will have warm beds, nourishing food, and a safe hug at the end of the day. We long for a world where meaningful work results in enough for food and shelter, where everyone has time to play and rest. We long for a world where those lost in the mazes of mental illness will wake up to laughter and safety. We long for a world where black, brown, and ind indigenous people are honored, where past injustices have been swallowed up in generous abundance, care, and welcome, extended by all to all. We long for a world where all those who are fleeing war, climate catastrophe, and hunger will be welcomed into abundant and safe communities. In short, we long for a world where there is peace, where we can live with joy with one another, with all other creatures, and with Creator. We live in what Parker Palmer calls the tragic gap, the gap between the way things are and the possibility of a new world that the scriptures place before us. And how do we live in that tragic gap? Sometimes we live there in lament. Sometimes we still cry out, when, how long, O Lord? We also live in that tragic gap by understanding that we also ask the question of where. God, where are you? We want to see you. We walk with anticipation that we will see you, that we will see you in creation, that we will see you in one another, that we will see you in newness. To live in the tragic gap, Sylvia writes, means to constantly say to the darkness, we beg to differ. I love that. It means that we hold this vision before us, this hope that another world is possible. And that vision calls us forward. It captures our imagination, causes us to say, yes, this is what I so deeply want that I will hope for it with patience in the midst of the sorrow that surrounds me. This Advent, may we be able to embrace our place in the tragic gap. May we be able to give voice to the pain of creation and the vulnerable as we pray. And may we be able to hang on to our longing for God's new world of peace, forgiveness, and justice. Let's pray. Jesus, you coming to earth, becoming the incarnate Christ, God with us, was the biggest we beg to differ the world has ever known. You brought word to presence. And you are still here, present with us in the now and the not yet. And as we walk through this next week of Advent and we reflect on this idea of what it looks like to live with anticipation, we pray that you would show us the places that you are. That as we look for the where, where will we see you? Where will we find these divine encounters? And we walk with anticipation that we will because we know that you are present 
we know that you are here. We look for you in those spaces to find comfort and love and grace. And we also look for you in those spaces to find invitation to walk with you in this slow kingdom coming. We hope in you, Jesus, God with us. In your holy name we pray, amen. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Uh, and now we would invite you to join us on a Zoom call as we do each week. Uh, we will be gathering at 11 o'clock and the link will be here in the comments on Facebook and it was also sent out in the email on Friday. Uh, and everyone is invited to join, whether you uh, joined in person for the service this morning or whether you're here online. Uh, we all join together at 11 o'clock for a time of discussion uh, and prayer together and just seeing one another's faces. So we invite you to join there at 11 o'clock. Thanks so much and we'll see you next week.